0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi,
1: this is JMD Mateus, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast.
0: Welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Findlay, and this is Amazing Spider Man, episode 17b Craven's Last Hunt, covering a period of Spider Man from 1987. It's actually covering just two months worth of Spider Man from 1987. This is going to only cover six issues, but it's part of a larger episode which we started a few months ago. You may have heard it already. It's Episode 17A, Hobgoblin Revealed slash The Wedding. And so that episode plus this episode combined make up The Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection Volume 17, Craven's Last Hunt. And the only reason why I split these two up is because um, I hadn't interviewed J.M. Mateus yet um, about this story. So I have done that now, and I'll stick in a few clips of that interview throughout uh, this episode, which Adam and I recorded some time ago. So there won't be any warning as to when I'm switching to the clips, but you'll figure that out, I'm sure. Um, this is covering, like I said, six issues. Web of Spider-Man number 31 and 32. Amazing Spider-Man number nine- 293 three and two hundred and ninety-four and spectacular spider man one thirty one and one thirty two and I don't really have anything more to say so let's get on with our episode
2: so we got Web of Spider-Man 31 and so it's interesting so as you said with crop, you know, you're beginning a big new storyline. You're not doing an Amazing Spider-Man. You're starting in a Web of Spider-Man. So, the probably the lowest-selling book, I'm guessing. Well,
0: that's that's not actually necessarily true. He, um, Jim said in his interview that he just wanted uh, he wanted to break the stereotype of Amazing Spider-Man being, you know, the number one Spider-Man book.
2: It doesn't hurt that it's the lowest-selling title, though.
0: I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, bump it up.
2: Now, just from the like just from the cover, like it's already like this is something special. Like you got Spider Man, he's all ensnared in a, in a web of some kind. You see a shotgun leveled at him. You don't even know what the saga's called, right? There's nothing on there. It just says it's a special six part saga, part one, the coffin. Right. Like that's just that grabs your attention right away. And then you open it up, you got Jam DeMatteis writing it, you got Mike Second Art with Bob McLeod in art. Sort of inking, I should say. Yeah. Um. And the it's just what so rusting. Yep. Well, yeah. It's an amazing creative team, but you got that first page, and you got that narration. I am Craven, and you just like you've never seen Craven this way before. And I mean, to the the character's credit and discredit, he's made by this story. Like you know, anyone could tell you, oh, I always loved Craven. No, you didn't. You love Craven because of this story. <laughs> yeah.
1: Craven was not originally even going to be the villain of the peak. I had created a whole new villain. Same basic storyline, but I created a whole new villain. And uh, I happened to be flipping through uh, Marvel Universe handbook, if you remember those, and uh, came to the page for Kraven. And to this day, I don't know if it was ever mentioned I, mean, that's what I like the you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and really, again, there's another element. I want to be happy. Actress. Had I written that story with the original villain?
0: You haven't heard the story of how Jam uh, came to write this story. There's a fantastic um, article in the back where he tells you the whole. The, he lays out everything about how this story came to be, and it's got a lot of different twists and turns. In fact, Craven wasn't in fact going to be the villain in this story. Mm-hmm. It was going to be a new villain. <laughs> and can you imagine that? Like this is this is so no. firmly rooted in in Craven and who Craven is um, and and it defines Craven that we can't imagine it being without him. So, yeah, what happens in this first issue, Adam?
2: Well, I mean, so this is the issue that really sets the stakes. I mean, you get to have a sense of who Craven is. They really kind of rebuild him as you know this this being of as he says his body is grace and power, but he's a little bit unhinged and this idea of you know what his family would think about you know what where civilization is today, uh, what he has been as a hunter and he's not done. Um, eventually he's going to age out. He will die soon. He must die soon, but not yet. And then you kind of have this idea that a recent death of a low life has happened, and Spider mans kind of paying his uh, his respects, and it's definitely having an effect on him. And you know even though he's had happiness in his life there's no happiness in the storyline it's very much about dark moody weather and then you have you know as he's kind of going to bed you have this terrifying vision visage, visage of craven just am- amongst all the spiders eating the spiders feeding on them oh man yeah so it's good. horrifying it's, it is it's and mike zek is just
0: incredible absolutely incredible
2: yeah it's brilliant and, and it's interesting to set up spider-man in a way that you know He's had some stuff going on. Ned's died. You have this other, you know, the slow life has died uh, that he was used to kind of pumping him for information, etc. And he's not really quite on his game. You have this intercut um, panel throughout the uh, the issue of someone digging a grave, which is really a nice sense of foreboding. And then finally, Spider-Man gets attacked, and you know he gets hit by a dart, and he's like, "Oh, it's got to be Craven the Hunter," and he's kind of, de- you know, he's going to fight Craven, and he realizes something's different. Um, that, you know, Craven's not speaking as much. He's a lot quieter than before. And the, the internal narration is fantastic, as, and it's something we'd see more often with Deadpool recently, where, you know, you have the regular narration and then you have this narration in red where he's kind of freaking out. It's like his, it's almost like you have the ego and in the, in the id. And you have like you know his his logical mind and his kind of more primal mind, and so you have him thinking about uh, Craven as Craven, you know gets him in the snare, he has him pumped with a tranquilizer, and he's got this shotgun at him, and he's got this crazy look in his eyes, and this, the red narration is just saying like a rifle, a rifle, and then he's the logical part of his brain is just saying you know look at his eyes, there's something in his eyes, this isn't the Craven I know, and then finally he gets shot, and it's terrifying.
0: I feel like. Um, the red narration is Peter's spider sense oh I like that all of the red narration is uh, stuff that's warning Peter of something or like it and then the the yellow narration is just his regular his regular thoughts
2: that's interesting I like that well and so like after that you have he gets shot they, f- they finish the um the, the grave you have spider-man put into a coffin they you know lower it down into the grave they start you know putting you know the dirt on the um on the coffin you have of a really phenomenal series of uh, visual ticks for what Craven's feeling. On 334, you have the shot of him looking very moroseful as he puts the dirt on the coffin. Then on the next page, as you have this cracom of the thunder, you have this real shot of regret and sadness. And then immediately afterwards, this almost insane, yeah. you know, thrill that he's done this. And then that's just where you end the issue. And you have, again, the spider spider burning bright in the forest of the night. What a mortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry, which is an iconic line that's been used to, you know, when this was originally put out. It was, it was kind of called "Fearful Symmetry." Um, it's just a phenomenal ending. Like this is end part one. Where do you go next? I know it it moves at
0: a breakneck speed in this one volume. And it, the the funny thing is that it's not it's not full of action. It's fast paced, but it's all like all of the action is like mind games, and it's how how people's how Peter and Craven are just kind of uh, uh, reeling through this whole thing, uh, this whole process. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting setup. It it just goes into some dark places and it sets up like holy cow, this is I, I've never seen this kind of thing before. And and there's not a whole lot of dialogue throughout this entire six issues. No. Um, it's very sparse in in the words that they use and it's so interesting. So let's continue on to... into. Do you have anything you want to say about part one?
2: Uh, no, not really. It's just, again, there's there's a, a real restraint in the amount of dialogue. Even in the last four pages, there's not a lot. Like, you just have the narration as, as you said, kind of the spider sense blurring as he goes, you know, yesterday, Ned leads. Today, Joe face. Tomorrow, Aunt May, Mary Jane. And then just gets shot. And then the next three pages, there's no dialogue. There's yeah. just you know, a- atmospheric effects. But there's really... There's no one's talking. This is a very moody piece. Um, a lot of these issues move really quickly because it's about mood. It's about setting. It's about you know this this underlying creepiness as right. opposed to oh, hitting you over the head with dialogue. Totally.
0: So part two is called crawling, and um, in in this one, this is amazing Spider-Man number two ninety three. Um, Craven assumes Spider-Man's identity. He, it's not just good enough that he's actually killed spider-man he needs to discredit spider-man's name so he takes on the costume and starts being like a really really brutal guy he goes around um he he, he goes around helping people but the villains get like completely
2: pummeled um, oh yeah i yeah. mean there's there's so much in this issue i mean you again have more of craven's crazy psychosis of him you know eating spiders biting a spider monster in his brain you have the introduction of vermin. You have this great motif of there being rats all over New York City. There's rats at the gravesite. Um, you know, there, there's a rat in the Mary Jane's apartment with Peter, where she actually uh, kills the rat with uh, with her boot. Like it's. This is, this is the ugly part of humanity. This is, you know, again, this is a gross, disgusting kind of issue in, in that respect. Um, a lot of psychosis, a lot of crazy spider motifs, and, and again, rat motifs. There's not a lot of plot necessarily. You just have a lot of introspection on uh, Craven's behalf as he really becomes the spider and decides that he is better than the spider. He's the true spider.
0: Yeah. There is no Spider-Man in this issue. Uh, not at all.
2: No, no, no 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 Peter and my favorite line of dialogue and it's so simple is just Mary Jane when she just says that wasn't Peter and that's all you need you don't need hand wringing you don't need an entire page of dialogue from her that one line of dialogue in the in the way that uh, zach illustrates her face is more than enough to g- have you a- have a sense of how- what does this mean what the hell is going to happen now yeah. for this person who they, she knows that's not spider-man that's not peter and again she didn't say that's not the real spider-man that's that wasn't peter that's not her husband again it plays on the idea they just got married and so it really plays on primal aspects of you know He's basically a fireman or a, a police officer they can come back and or they can not come back and hear something far more horrifying has happened
0: I like how uh, I don't know if this was uh, De suggestion or if this was up to the the letterer um, who is Rick Parker Rick Parker's great so he, I, it could have been his idea but um, spider uh he his all of his narration is in a classic kind of the classic comic font. And mm-hmm. then Craven has a serif font, uh, so you can you can you can tell any time that he's narrate, narrating the uh, the pages because it's the serif font. And then Vermin also has the same serif font, except all of his letters are lowercase. He doesn't use; yeah. they don't use a single uppercase letter for him uh, for his narration. So you can tell who's saying what um, without having to like use speech bubbles or. You know, that kind of thing. So I thought that was a really cool effect. I really need to see. I like it when they play with that kind of thing.
1: When you have a great letter, who can go in and do these different styles, create a lettering style that's unique and really powerful and, and make, it, make it unique for each character. It's really, really important, and it helps, it helps sell the story. You can have the best script in the world if the art and the storytelling aren't there, if the lettering goes off, the coloring can kill great art. Bad ink, until kill penciling. It's all got to be in balance in a comic. And, and I think one of the reasons why this story has has sustained itself all these years is yeah, I'll take I'll take whatever credit you want to give me for writing a good story, but it was a good story. But it's because all the elements were in place. Mm-hmm. And maybe I think had I had a written the same exact story with a different artist, maybe a different letter was there. Uh, any of any of those elements would have gone gone awry. We might not be talking about the story.
0: Now, Vermin is a character that was created by both uh, Demetrius and and Mike Zek for Captain America. So both of them are very familiar with this character, and they're bringing them back since they're working together again.
2: For sure. I mean, Vermin as a character is a, dim, is a Demetrius staple. I mean, um, a lot of people obviously love Craven's Last Hunt, but I would argue uh, vehemently that Child Within is perhaps a better story. Uh-huh. And um, yeah. That is also, uh, you know, a very much Vermin is is front and center for that. It's not uh, Zach, obviously. It's Pusema instead, but um, it's very much, you know, again, it's a character that Demetrius really comes back to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So we got Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man issue 131, continuing a six-part saga, part three, Descent. Um, this is, so first of all, that first panel, or first page I should say, where you just have uh, the Craven version of Spider-Man uh, upside down in a very Spider-Man-like pose, but it's just, just so many what I love about it is that when you first look at it, you're like, well that's Spider-Man. But it's very clearly not Spider-Man in the way that he draws the musculature of the character. Oh yeah. He is bigger, he's broader, he's not quite like it's not quite what we're used to. And it's so interesting the little touches on one shot where you look at it immediately and you think it's Peter, and then you look at it and you're like, Well, that's that something's wrong here. That's not Spider-Man that I know. Something's different. Obviously he's holding onto a piece of rope. That's also a giveaway. Yes, but yeah. It's just there really something to it. And I just I love seeing Craven really take on the Spider-Man identity, and and then he's he's struggling with it though. The idea that on page 364, I am the Spider, no, not the Spider, I am Craven, and it's almost like he's he's in he's in pain. Um, you know, he's he's losing a piece of himself. He's hunted as the spider hunts. He's consumed the prey, and really, what this means for the character is phenomenal. And then an, an underlying um, aspect of the issue, obviously, is we start to see spiders kind of converging on Spider-Man's grave at the bottom of the issue which again is a great kind of small visual tech to kind of show that things are going on. You have Cra- uh, sorry Berman's out of control uh, attacking and Craven kind of knows that he has to go on up against a beast that Spider-Man couldn't best on his own that he needed help with, that he needed Captain America to fight. But he's better than the original Spider-Man. He is the new spider. He can take out Craven, sorry uh, Berman on his own. So it's really phenomenal to see them fight. Their fight in the sewers is absolutely brutal. And again, finally at the end, you have uh, Peter's um, hand finally break through the ground, and just the thought, Mary Jane, is his first thought as he finally breaks through the ground, while at the same time, uh, Vermin has been utterly bested by Craven and just beaten. It's such an amazing issue. There's so much going on on so many different levels on what it means to be a man, what it means to be you know, the spider, uh, what it means to be Craven. Um, the idea of what what is it when you no longer have that ultimate prey when you've taken it over and actually consumed it for yourself. And then also the struggle of you know bringing yourself back from the dead when it comes to Spider-Man. And again, we don't really see Peter at all. We just see his hand in yeah. the entire issue. It's two issues where he has not been here at all, and it's only his hand. And yet, I don't miss him because I'm so enthralled by what's happening on the page.
0: Now, this fight between Craven and Vermin is just incredible. The I, I think out of all of the stuff that zek has done in these six issues this this battle is probably my favorite and in stark contrast to the hobgoblin battle that we saw that i mentioned with alan cooperberg dividing his panel Mm. into nine mike zek uses huge panels and really captures snapshots in the battle rather than trying to show kind of the the choreography
2: of the battle no for sure and a, a big piece of what makes that work as well is again because of the subtext created by Dematteis, you understand where both characters are coming into this fight, and you understand how much this means from a psychological perspective. That again, the idea that with with Craven when he's beating him and he just goes like never like that that means something. This is this is something that we've seen throughout the issue. We understand what this battle means to Craven. It's not just your typical superhero fight. It means so much more.
0: Yeah. And I also like the sequence where Mary Jane goes to Robbie and you could see in order to to get help, she would have had to tell Robbie that Peter is Spider-Man. So she really wrestles with this. And this is like this is the like, I don't know how long, like we're talking weeks after they got married. And now mm-hmm. Peter disappears without a word for weeks. Like she has no idea and she doesn't know what to do. This is the first time that she's had to deal with this particular situation of, um, of a Peter Parker that's gone. Um, this is her husband that's missing.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that, as I said before, that is going to color the character forever. Yes.
1: <laughs> sure but here will. at
2: least it feels earned. Here it feels like an actual, like there's something terrifying happening and it makes sense. Yeah.
1: If we don't keep seeing her, Peter's whole return from the grave, which ultimately is all about his love for his wife, uh, would lose a lot of that power. Would lose a lot of that power. And you need that real person in the middle of this. You know, Peter Parker, uh, I, I always say Peter Parker, because Spider-Man is a fiction. Peter Parker is the character, whether the mask is on or off, it's always Peter Parker. Um, Peter Parker's a real guy. with a real life with a new wife. and and, that's the center of his life. So we have to see her. We have to keep cutting back to her to get a sense of that life that he's lost and that love that they're waiting for
2: him on his return. In 32, part 4, Resurrection, I have to say, this is probably my favorite chapter of the six-part storyline. It's really the struggle of Peter Parker to finally get out of the grave. He kind of pushes through his, uh, you know, what he interprets, I guess, as almost going to heaven. Uh, He fights back, and then... uh, has to deal with, you know, coming back from the dead. What Craven has done from him, realizing that he's been out two weeks, reconnecting with Mary Jane, but knowing he still has to go stop Craven, and he goes to confront him. Like there's not a lot of plot, but at the same time, a lot happens. Um, the art is absolutely insane in this in this issue. Like it's some of my favorite in the entire storyline. Um, the cover is extremely iconic and brilliant with this great image of the Here Lies Spider Man and Spider Man in the black costume. It works so much better because he's wearing the black costume. Just him rising out of the grave. Like, it's just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, it it's so, it's just so imaginative. And uh, man, just being birthed by that or crawling out of that spider. <laughs> really great. And another thing I really like about this is uh, in in the first story, th- it's the third page and you see the just the, the black box. With the Spider-Man black costume, Spider-Man eyes, and just come out, come out, come out, come out, come all over the place. Um, and then oh, yeah. you, you slowly oh, sure. you see a couple of different panels throughout the book of Kraven kind of slowly taking off his mask, which leads us to the very last page in this book where he's fully taken off his mask and he's smiling. And then he notices that, or he realizes Spider-Man's behind him, and it's like, this is it. it. It says he's here. Like this is then now we're going to have the confrontation so great and just um, yeah just just the whole rebirth I, I love it on page it's page 386 on this in this collection where in the top corner you see Peter into the fetal position and then the black slowly takes over the the panels on the top row and then the camera mm-hmm. zooms out to reveal that the black is now a spider and it's going down this tunnel it's like just the the sheer cinematography of this issue is is unreal. It's it's uh, it really pushes. I think what um what comics were doing at this time. Mike Seck is is brilliant. I can say brilliant.
1: You know they were described in, in a fairly detailed way. But as I keep saying, I could have described that same detailed scene to six different artists, and you have had six different versions. And the Mike Seck version would have been the best of a bunch, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But but no, they were described. Uh, in what 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 you saw on the page is what I described. But that's the leap of comics, you know. The the artist then takes that and gets to visualize it in their own way. I mean, to say to an artist, as we do, okay, Mike, it's just white space with a tiny figure of Peter Parker naked, hunched over in the center of it. Someone else would have drawn that, it would have been the most boring page you had ever seen in your life. Mike makes everything he does dynamic and dramatic. You know, I've been, you know, I've for 30-something years, and I never get tired of it, but she
2: really is that good. Page 391, where you have, uh, in the page previous in 390, at the very bottom, as he's struggling with, the, there is no spider, what is, you know, who am I? Mm-hmm. You have at the bottom just him saying, Mary Jane, I love you, and then the next page is just this amazing shot of him coming out of the grave and just saying, I love you. Yeah. Like the, 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 and that that love is what's bringing him out. And it's interesting that like we remarked earlier that you know they kind of threw this marriage it felt kind of awkward and weird that you're just kind of making this happen for these two characters. But then you read a storyline like this, and it's just it's all predicated on love, which you don't actually see much in the actual storyline, but you believe it's there because of the struggle, because of what it takes to get him out of the grave. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it, it's really striking. That shot by Zek is just gorgeous. Um, Yeah, this entire issue just sings, and it moves so quickly... you know, Spider-Man kind of realizing what's been lost from, or what's been taken from him, what is lost, him reconnecting with Mary Jane. The even the, the touch, which is so smart that I never would have thought of unless they actually did it. Where he doesn't even have his voice back. Like he's been out for two weeks. He's still got like a low creaky voice. Like that's such a nice little vis- like little touch that's integrated here. And yeah, you, they kind of make the the font look smaller. It just it further sells the idea that this man has been through a major ordeal, but he can't let it go. He has to go. Confirm
0: yeah, it's incredible, um, and I love that uh, usually uh, you start with a big splash page with the title, but the splash page in this book is nine pages in. It takes nine pages to for the introduction for this book, which if you think it's just a 22-page story, that's pretty much half of the book for the introduction, and then uh, another little touch I like is on page four four hundred and three, toward the end, when Spider-Man leaves Mary Jane and goes to look for Craven. There's no words on this page, and it would have been a time when, if this was Stan Lee doing this, he would have filled this page with dialogue, saying, you know, I've mm. got to find him, whatever. I got to find him to the nearest. I'm just going to use use every means necessary or whatever. You know, he would fill the the page with dialogue, but there's nothing here. You don't need to know. What he's thinking, and I love that he, you see a spider sense in every panel here. He's using his spider sense to find Craven, which is something mm-hmm. that I think isn't usually us, isn't usually done. People don't usually use the spider sense in that way, and I thought it was no. it was uh, really
2: cool. Mm-hmm. Another touch that I really liked, which again works really well in the context of having read this volume, is uh, on the sequence on page three eighty four and three eighty five, where he's confronted by Ned Leeds, and he's like, "Oh, hey." And then he's like, wait. And then the horror on page 344 when Peter's like, you're dead. Like, it's just... It really strikes him like, wait a minute, something's wrong. And then Ned just kind of, you know, fades him out and he's like, dead? Oh, God, he's right. It's just terrifying but so effective.
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah, I love it. And we just saw Ned die. We just saw him not really dealing with it as much as we would have liked. And yet here... JMD just makes it so perfect. Like this is this is kind of his aha moment that something's wrong, something's not the way it should be, you know, this is this is terrifying.
0: Mhm. Yeah, the the use of just the use of panels and the use of plot devices are are all brilliant. The kind of the biggest theme here is that um this Craven blames the spider, which I guess is sort of an analogy of whatever's taken over Russia and killed his parents. And mm-hmm. he sees Spider Man as being the avatar of this spider. And so Craven kills the spider and assumes the spider's identity. And in this sequence where Peter's dead and is crawling out of the spider, Peter is avoiding becoming the spider himself in order to retain his humanity. Craven's losing his humanity, but Peter's fighting to keep his his humanity going and pulls himself out of the grave. So I, I like the kind of the parallel uh, stories that are going on there too. Absolutely. Yeah, let's keep on going to number 294. This one's called Thunder, and in this one is the confrontation. It's kind of the climax. There's kind of two climaxes in the story. This is the climax featuring the fright fight between Craven and Spider-Man. But before the Craven Spider-Man fight, we have to have a Spider-Man and Vermin fight. So Craven's caught the Vermin. And is gonna force them to battle, um, knowing full well that uh, how how the vermin feels about Spider-Man. So it's really there's a really great battle sequence there where, uh, yeah. So here, okay. So I talked about Craven assuming the spider. So Craven is like fully embracing this carnal kind of beast that's within, and Spider-Man through this fight, he he can he's going to that place where he could be uh he could he could embrace that carnal behavior or the, the beast inside but he pulls himself back at the last minute um and then there's vermin who has been transformed so that the beast is part of his nature he can't help it so you have these three different characters in the story that are all it's all dealing with kind of the beast within And all dealing with it from a very different perspective. I love how their how uh, plays with that.
2: For sure. I mean, what's what's so phenomenal and interesting about this is that I mean, in this issue, Spider-Man and Kraven don't really fight. Like, there's really not much to it. And which is which is what makes this so effective and so interesting is that you know, Kraven's already won. Like, he's he's kind of done. Like, he doesn't. And through this issue, he realizes, you know that maybe things weren't exactly the way he expected them to be and then he kind of you know ends up saving peter and kind of lets him go and you know gives him this such a such a beautiful moment where he's like i give you my word from this night forward Craven the hunter will never hunt again like you really feel the sense of like he has retained and become the man again he's not the you know eating spiders anymore he's kind of found his inner nobility again and the internal narration, the fact that throughout the issue he's talking about his family, his mother. You know, they, they said my mother was insane. It's just such a such beautiful work, and you really understand Craven and what he's gone through. And then when he, he takes his own life, it's it's extremely powerful, and in a way that most villain deaths never will be, because you know he took his own life, but you know he kind of won, but didn't win at the same time. Like it's such a weird but fascinating portrayal of a character.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting the moment when he realizes, uh, they said my mother was, and then it's, he pauses in his narration and a whole page goes by where Spider-Man doesn't finish it off with, with Vermin, and Vermin actually beats Spider-Man. And Craven draws him back and and then he says, was insane like there's a whole there's a big mm-hmm. pause between that, and there's that's the realization that snaps him out of it, and I think he realizes that he's maybe got too much of his mother in him, and that maybe he's insane, and that's enough to draw draw his humanity back, but um yeah, it's like his mission is finished now, he has nothing literally nothing else to live for because his whole world was consumed by this so he ends his life Mm -hmm. yeah wow and then just the last page where you see the blood splatters on the family portrait it's like his family was soaked in other people's blood but now it's covered in his own blood and it's sort of like this i don't know if it's supposed to be redemption it's sort of like the blood it's cleansing it's starting something new it's, it's like mm. finishing off first. I don't know what it's supposed to represent there But it's a stunning way to, to end the whole, this whole issue And there's one more part <laughs> It's amazing Yeah, isn't
2: that crazy? Like it's not even over
0: <laughs> No, it's like I would have been satisfied with that But like what is there left to, to, to continue with Except for the fact that the vermin got away so do you want to move on to spectacular number 332? I mean sorry 132?
2: Yeah. It, it it's good, it's enjoyable, but it is it's not as good as the two issues that preceded it.
0: Yeah. It's like the last 15 minutes of a film that's all kind of wrap up, right?
2: yeah it is and, and it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just, it just says how strong the previous two issues were yeah. um, you know you get a very long fight sequence with Craven and Spider-Man sorry uh, Berman and Spider-Man sorry um, which is interesting because again Peter is trying to reclaim who he is and he's trying to bring that out in Berman as well uh, you also have kind of the necessary wrap ups where you know the police find Kraven's body they find his you know his signed confession they kind of absolve Spider-Man of any of the things that have happened in the last few weeks so they're just kind of you know just kind of dotting the i's crossing the t's uh and then you have this long protracted sequence with berman and then at the end you you know spider-man goes home and it's just kind of the happy like i'm home i'm home and then you have like a two page um uh, two pages of just craven's funeral and that is well done as well and it's kind of a shame that again that they brought him back in some ways, just because it's so perfect uh, that you almost would never want to see Craven again. Because how could you top this?
0: Yeah, really. So there's a, a couple of points that I wanted to note here is that uh, the you know things are really rough for Peter when he's in a fight and he's not making wise cracks. And through this whole yes. this, this through this whole story, really, he's not making wisecracks, but he's not even speaking in this fight between him and Vermin. Probably partially because he's underwater for most of the time, so he probably can't even talk. But True. like, there's no, it's not funny. This, this is Spider-Man, dead serious. He's he's gone through a lot, and he's mm-hmm. not he's not joking around here.
2: No, plus he doesn't have his voice. So, I mean, we we already kind of know that you know he doesn't have a lot of his voice back but yeah this is not your typical spider-man mm-hmm. it's interesting too that like i and i think i mentioned this earlier but you know how weird would this story be if he was in the red and blues like it just wouldn't work
0: yeah it would be a very different tone yeah the, the like, black, the black is very costume, symbolic yeah
2: yeah and the fact that like they use the black to really meld into the shadows a lot and then you just kind of see the eyes which yep. is interesting because you know it's not that long after that where we get venom who kind of does the same idea but even more monstrous. It's just interesting. You know, again, it's just the timing of of it all. But yeah, like there's just something to this storyline that I can't imagine it with him without the black costume. Like, and there's just something about seeing Craven in the black costume too is so striking, but it just kind of fits. Whereas seeing him in the red and blues would feel weird. It would.
0: Um, I also like the, that the sun sets in the, Mm -hmm. uh, usually you don't really get a, a sense of the time of day, in comics, unless it's like it's either daytime or nighttime. But uh they've they've went out of their way. Mike Mike Zack has gone out of his way to make sure that this is the sunset. The sun is setting on this story, it's setting on Craven's life. And I also love in the bottom, the last panels here, as Craven's um buddy, whoever this guy is, mm-hmm. is uh, throwing dirt into the in over the coffin, there's a, a rat that is uh, going after a spider, and they both get buried in the dirt, to kind of yeah. finalize. You know that that's not. It's not just Craven that's done. It's the the vermin Spider Man story.
2: Like this is everything's done. It's all done. True. I yeah. I, I have a question though because I I am not sure if I agree with you because on page 450 the way in which where the sun is and then where it is in 451 it looks like it's it's rising on a new day. That's oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I, I just kind of read that. it that way because cause all the action takes place at night, and then suddenly the, the you know the light of day and the and Craven's finally in the light. Like it just feels like this the storyline is very much about darkness and nighttime, and now suddenly it's it's a daytime and it's a new day. That's how I read it myself. Well, I'm not
0: sure because um, the fight with between vermin doesn't necessarily happen at night. It happens in the sewer, so we don't know what time of day it is.
2: I always took it to be like very like kind of early morning as well because because when he comes out of, out of the sewer into the he even says like it's into the light and he just seems very shocked by everything. Yeah. I could be wrong though,
0: because if it's into the light here. Spider-Man goes home and then the sun sets on and there's the funeral but who knows how much time has passed between that and the, fu- and the funeral could have been yeah. the next day and maybe day it's something.
2: just a maybe the just the perspective on the on the sun is wrong
0: yeah I'm not sure yeah I mean it could be interpreted on um, either way if the sun is rising then it's like this is a new chapter in Spider-Man's mm-hmm. life like this yeah so it could be read both ways however you feel like interpreting it that's what's so great about comics I think absolutely <laughs> yeah. And then this whole story ends again with the the line from the William Blake poem, Spider Spider Burning Bright in the Forest of the Night. And I always know, it's actually, the poem's called Tiger Tiger, not Spider Spider. And I no. always remember it from that Batman episode from Batman the ep- animated series called Tiger Tiger. Oh, they use that's it right, then. yeah. Yep. Wow. What an incredible story. It, it deserves the accolades that it has gotten over the years. It's oh absolutely incredible. and and there's like 40 more pages in this epic collection of bonus material I'm just, let's just quickly breeze through this um, there's oh some, there some great articles if you're really interested in learning about more about the wedding um, there's a lot of talk about the wedding most of them are just puff pieces from like Marvel Age and that kind of thing um, uh, there's a there's a Fred Hembeck cartoon which is, those are always fun um mm-hmm. Mary Jane paper doll cutouts and uh <laughs> um <laughs> you know it's just there's it's a lot of stuff that I'm I'm it's inconsequential but I'm super glad that it's in here um but the the highlight I think is oh there's an article on Willie Smith if you wanted to know more about him and the the guy who designed Mary Jane's dress mm-hmm. um the wedding of the century and a nice article about what happened um during the live ser- wedding ceremony that happened in New York at uh Shy Stadium, and if you go on YouTube, you can actually see some clips of that wedding uh, from whatever news reporters were there. Um, but the the real highlight here is the the wedding, the, the newspaper comic strips by Stanley yes. and Larry Lieber. Yeah, and it's a completely different story. It's not at all the same as as the comics, so it's it's an all new story. So if you enjoy that, definitely recommend checking that out too.
2: Yeah, it, it's, again, one of those things where, like, I had never seen it before. Like, right. I knew it exi- I knew it existed, but I'd never seen it. So it's really cool to kind of see it um, recapped here. Yeah. And then at
0: the very end, we have all of the pencils to every page of Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man number 31, um, and Amazing Spider-Man 239. However, mm-hmm. they're printed nine to a page. So it's kind of pointless to have them in here.
2: Um yeah, I mean, yes, but I mean, it's just cool
0: to kind of see them at all. I guess so, but it would be more cool if we could actually like see some
2: of the detail
0: <laughs> that's there.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it it's true, but I mean, you can still get a good sense of it, which is yeah, more than enough. Like, I mean, it could have just not been here at all, so I'll take it.
0: What it shows me is that Mike was doing full pencils. Like he was yes. even he was even shading the black in the, the pencil work. So um, didn't leave a whole lot of room for Bob McCloud to do any to do his thing on inking, but uh, Mike Zek no, not at all has yeah. complete control over the pencils here. Okay, well there you go, Adam. Uh, half of this book, kind of a lot of filler, some some okay stories, and then the, the good stuff is saved for the very last.
2: Yeah, the only weird thing about it is that again, it just feels like such a weird rhythm because like the it's almost like the the back half doesn't jive with the rest like which which is true of what happened in the books like at the time like it's representative of of what really happened it's just interesting to read a spider-man collection where you know it's just such a giant tonal shift i mean you have owsley you have michael and then you have demoteus going in completely different direction and then when you pick up the next volume it's, it's time for something completely different like it's just an interesting choice to make such a the storyline and then it's just it's just weirdly placed right in the middle of like everything else like it's it's like nothing before or right after it
0: i think people who are not familiar with craven's last hunt and, or and are also not familiar with the epic collections will pick this book up thinking oh wow this is craven's last hunt i've heard lots of good things about this and then they'll start reading and they'll be like what the heck am i reading so hopefully it doesn't deter people the greatest thing about the epic collections is that you get everything that was published in Amazing Spider-Man the good and the bad and you get the Mm -hmm. sense of that here in this book and you know I'm okay with that I want to experience the good and the bad because that's that's part of Spider-Man's history
2: yeah you just have to get through 312 pages first (laughs) yeah right oh boy (laughs) okay (laughs) okay Adam
0: what do you say perfect yep this is great thanks for joining us today and we'll see you in the next episode.
1: Can't wait.